What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Self Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook, and uh, it's just me today with an amazing guest. I have on comedian Paul Verzi. His Netflix special is out now. It's called Nocturnal Admissions, and it was really great to talk to him. He was so open about struggling with OCD and anxiety and depression in his life, and it just, I, I really appreciated everything he said. I related to a lot of what he said. And I, I'm hoping that his story might be able to help some of you listeners as well. Um, if you would like to follow Paul online and reach out to him, he is at Paul Verzi, V-I-R-Z-I on Instagram. And uh, yeah, like I said, make sure you check out his Netflix special. We start out talking about um, that we both love cats. We talk about his cats and my cats and then kind of how something that happened with that led into um, our conversation about OCD. So if in the beginning you're like, why the fuck are they just talking about cats? I promise there's a reason for it. And it kind of gets into some more stuff. Um, I'm going to do the iTunes review of the episode now instead of at the end. Um, this is from Miss Teen Noel. <laughs> she says, my driving best friends. I love listening to them and laughing out loud. As I listen to them, they are amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't given us a five-star rating and review it, review yet on iTunes, please do so. You get a chance to be read on the show and just helps us so much. It's a quick and free way to help the show. So um, also, oh, this is coming out on September 5th and I've got tour dates. So I'm going to be at Fort Collins, um, at the Comedy Fort in Fort Collins, September 16th and 17th. And then I was supposed to be in Raleigh on September 23rd through the, September 23rd, sorry, through the 24th, but that got moved to January of next year. And instead I'm going to be at the St. Louis 
Helium Comedy Club. So St. Louis Helpsters, good news. We are, uh, we've just added that to the tour. It's a very recent tour date that's been added. I will also be in Washington, D.C. and Grand Rapids in October, Atlanta in November, and then Burbank in December. So you can go to KelseyCook.com and get those tour date tickets. And with that, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Paul. I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. All right, here's that interview with Paul. All right. Thanks for being here, Paul. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I caught you right as you're drinking water. <laughs> no, it's all good. I always drink right before I like, it's so funny. It's like a mental thing, like even on stage. And then, so I, I think that little bit of water is going to do it, but uh, <laughs> okay. is that a cat? I love cats. That is, I have two. Yeah. No, I love, do you have cats? I had, yeah. So I'll make this super quick. So my wife's 26th birthday, and we were only, we were together a couple of years. It was 26th birthday. And I was like, I'm going to just get her a cat. Like, I don't want to just get her another bag or boots or whatever. I'm going to get her a cat. So I, so I tell a friend a I'm looking for a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I tell, I tell her friend, I'm looking for a cat. I can't find one at these rescue places. And her friend shows up to my house with this kitten the next day. And it's Thomas. Oh. And I go, where'd you get him? She goes, Oh, there's a place not far. So I, I'm very like, I'm like OCD. So I had to go and see if it's the cat I would have picked out of the litter. So I see the litter and this gray. Yeah, I want it. Like, even though she got it, I felt like, man, I should have kind of done that. Like I, you know, it's like my gift. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, and that's a big gift. It's not yeah, like this is a 20 year essentially gift. Exactly. So it's like, if we're going to have this thing for potentially a couple of decades and just knowing that your friend brought it here kind of feels like I didn't do anything. So I went to the place and I find out like the mother had six kittens, one girl who was at like, gone quick yeah. and then uh, five males. And this gray cat just walks up. He's soft. And he was like curious. And, and I so uh, I leave. I don't get the cat. And she comes home and my guilt made me go, hey, just so you know, like Lisa showed up with that cat. And I looked to see just so I had a part in it. And I would have really gotten this gray cat. And why would I even say that? I don't even know why I would say it. Because I'm basically like, here's the cat you're getting. It's not the cat I would have picked, even though I like the cat. And then, and then <laughs> this is a JV cat, like I'm not, yeah, he's kind and of a then, bench warmer, not, not my pick. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and then my Stacy goes to the thing and gets him. So she, she oh, comes in, she comes in with a bag and then we've had him and they were, that was the next day after we got Thomas. And um, yeah, so we saw, so I love cats. I think cats are completely underrated. Well, so you mentioned, um, with wanting to go back and see if there's a different cat that you would want about having OCD. And this is something that you and I were texting about uh, yeah. before recording today was having some struggles throughout your life with OCD and with depression. So um, are you open to talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the amazing thing about it is um, I've been open about it since I've kind of, you know, hit the lowest point of my life, uh, which was about 2016. And, um, after the special came out, uh, I went on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is just, you know, such a reach that he has. And I can't even tell you the amount of letters from all over the world, all over the world, like to the point where like, we're overwhelmed over here. Like my publicist, my so overwhelmed by like people going to grown men going, you're the only, you made me 
feel not alone. And you're the, I've never heard it described like that. Thank you. And like you look and it's like this burly fucking hunter. Like who, you know, it looks like he just like eats elk and like, like, like while it's a lot. And he's just like, thank you. So, so for me, like when I, when I go on, even sometimes I try to make jokes about it on stage, but you know, when I go on, on podcasts and somebody asks me about my mental health and stuff, it's like, look, I struggled with anxiety and depression since, since I was real little, my, you know, my parents got a brutal, brutal, uh, had a brutal divorce when I was five and my older brother Christian was 10. And um, it was just there was not a lot of security in my life. Um, And I moved a lot with my mom and my brother. And so I I would always like get popular, get friends. People liked me and then move. Mm -hmm. So um, my first panic attack came and I didn't know it and and they didn't know what to do with me. My first panic attack came when I was on the couch in the third grade and I didn't know what it was. And I thought I was going to die and I couldn't breathe. And that's really young. And then my they started to notice that like walking into the kitchen, we had like a column that you would walk from the living room into the kitchen. And my OCD started when they started to see me walk around the column, which wouldn't really make sense. I mean, even though it's only like three feet, they were like, why is he walking? Why is he walking around that instead of through it? So, so the OCD and the anxiety are mainly like what happens and very seldom, very seldom, like a a bad depression will happen. But when everything hit me in 2016 was the darkest part, part of my life. And it's when, comedy was great is when life was great. Like that's, I remember I was in Ottawa, Canada and I did a, I did a set. I was opening for Bill, but I haven't opened for Bill Burr in probably like five years. So you probably figure in like, yeah, it's almost like we're kind of towards the end of working with Bill and he watched my set and he just goes, dude, he goes, all that was new and fucking killer. I never heard any of that. And he goes, you know, you're getting ready for a special, aren't you? And, and this was before I did, I'll say this for Comedy Central and things are going good and I'm going in the right direction, but mentally it didn't matter. And that's the thing people don't understand is it doesn't matter about, it doesn't matter about your money. Yeah. You know, we, I had a, like one time I had a big deal with money that was like, kind of like really nice security thing. And I was, at the, I, I could care less, you know, I, when you're down, you're fucking down. It doesn't matter about your career. It doesn't matter about your, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So when you were at your lowest in 2016, mm-hmm. what was going on that you, that got you to that point? If you're comfortable talking about it. So I remember around like July 4th, after July 4th, I remember I was running around doing a ton of stand up, and I was just kind of pushing my body. You know, I was, I was, traveling a lot, doing a lot. And, uh, I remember just doing a lot of things and I started to just feel weird. I started to feel mentally, just like physically and mentally tired. And then, um, OCD and health problems started to come into my life. Like I started to feel like something was wrong with me. And what was happening was I was yeah, I was just like getting lightheaded. And then I got convinced I had a brain tumor. So then I had a CAT scan on my brain. I actually, actually was so convinced oh, wow. that I had, yeah, because I would be like holding myself up on stage and I would be telling jokes. And I remember one night killing. And uh, it's a story that I told on Rogan too, you know, not to sound redundant, but if this helps anybody, I was killing in Hartford, Connecticut, killing. And I was having an out-of-body experience panic attack. And I remember this table on the right looking at me laughing. And in my mind, I'm going, they have no idea that I'm mentally gone and I'm miserable. And they're laughing and clapping. It was the weirdest thing. And I drove home 
and it was only an hour and a half drive from where I was to home. And it felt like four hours. And during that drive, I literally convinced myself a thousand percent that I had a brain tumor. Wow. Talk to the doctor. Doctor's like, I don't think you you need this. I go, I, I need this. Do you got to help me? And got a brain scan, didn't have it. Then it went to muscular diseases, you know, didn't have it. Then I'm saying to myself, I know more than a doctor. I tell dick jokes in strip malls and I know more <laughs> than a guy that fucking, you know, went to like the university, like, you know, went to Duke to study shit. Right. And I'm going like, I did they miss something? You know, yeah. did they miss something? Yeah. Um and I was in the guest room. My wife really held it down with the kids for, you know, and, and my kids. I was like, I didn't want to even I was like afraid to look at my kids because I love them so much. And I was afraid I was going to die. So I had a hard time looking at them because I love them so much. And I was just like, I, I felt like I was going to die and not be around. So so it was a real, real bad thing. And, you know, um, my dear friends like Giannis and, and Burr. You know, they would check in with me, but Burr was would call Stacy more because I didn't want to really talk to people or kind of let, you know, Giannis would actually show up to the house because he, you know, he was close. And so he would just show up and, you know, have to, you know, want to talk to me and stuff. Uh, Burr would call my wife. And I was just kind of distant towards everybody. You know, it was like the lowest my and I'm like a happy, positive guy. So so for me, it hurt more because like I was like, I got to live like this. And, you know, and it it was it was it was shitty. And then after about 90 days, I started to slowly, you know, um, come out. I did a joke in my first special about how urgent care almost killed me because I went to urgent care. And dude, I swear to God, Kelsey, I'm not making this up, dude. I'm in urgent care. And I hear this fucking guy go, all right. (laughs) I hear the doctor say to the urgent care nurse, I swear to God, he goes, and like, he doesn't think I'm hearing this, but I'm in the waiting room. And I literally hear him go, all right, dude, we got to get these people in out here. Dude, I got a party to go to at two by two o'clock. I swear to God, he heard, I heard him say that. So I I'm sitting in the urgent care room and this guy comes in, he's got like dress pants and a button down in the urgent care, right? Like he's going to some graduation party. And he just goes, so dude, are you on any medications? And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, I take a small dosage of, of this drug for my, um, it's kind of like an antidepressant, but it really focuses on like OCD. And he goes, hold on a second. And he takes out his cell phone and he just goes, yeah, no, it's a side effect, dude. I'm telling you, man, just either lower the dose or stop taking it. I swear to God. Now I'm in such a fucked up place. Oh, by the way, can I curse on this or is it? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm in such a low place that like anything, I'm, I'm looking for answers, right? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll, all right, cool. I'll drop the dose or I'll, I'll stop taking it that if that's going to help me. Yeah. And then that, that fucked up my chemicals. And then that took whatever I was going through and just started to spiral. Um, and then I went to another doctor and like, you got to get back on it. So then that, so the whole thing between my mental state, I convinced my wife, I, my wife is like super strong and like, you're fine. And we're going to, you know, get through it. I convinced her one time. Cause it hit me so bad that I convinced her that's that I, I was really like something was wrong. I'm like, do you see like my, you know, why does my leg feel like this? I'm, I'm getting weaker. And like, she was just like, what is he? And it got to the point she'd be at work and I would call her and be like, I know what it is. And then I would tell her it's this horrible disease. Cause I read about it yeah. and she was just at work. And like, so I'm in this world, I'm in this world. And, and I was still very, like, I was, I was there. So if I would like, so if I ran into you at the supermarket during this, yeah. You wouldn't really know you. I would just be like, hey, you know, how are you? You may be like, oh, Paul seemed a little tired or whatever. Sure. But I wasn't like out of it where I couldn't talk to people. Sure. But 
what I was going through was something that I don't wish on anybody. Right. What do you think brought you out of that around that 90 day mark? Um, I think it was a combination. I think it was a combination of a few things. I think that doctors that really, there were some doctors that really loved me and cared about me and, um, they wanted to assure me. So I did have the, I guess you could say the, I don't want to say privilege, but benefit of having a doctor go, Paul, if this is going to help clear your mind. So I got tested. So, so getting, going to doctors and getting tested for some of, not all the things, but for some of the things I worried about helped, um, trusting people that loved me and letting go of the control. Cause I wanted the control that that's why I thought I knew more than a doctor. Cause I, 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 this is my body. I feel it. Right. Right. Um, and so I'm like, they don't know what I'm feeling. They don't know that I feel this way, letting that go and just kind of living life. So I would say the the therapy, the trusting people that really loved me and, and listening to professionals that do this for a living. Right. You know, I, I think that that and, and medication being the, like regulating the right medication, yeah. you know, for 11 years during my career, I didn't take medication and I kind of would suffer through the OCD. And finally I was like, look, a low dose, if this is going to help take the edge off. And then that's what I do. And it's such a low dose that it really doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect like, you know, I, I know there's a lot of things people are like, Oh no, you know, sexually, you know, feeling blah, feeling none of that. Like I've, I'm a hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent me, but if I do get into like an OCD thing, I'm able to kind of just walk through it. And fortunately, unfortunately it's been since I've been such a, so little, but the good thing is because I've been going through it as a little boy now as a, as a grown man, I can kind of understand it and actually know the enemy. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I have, um, I've struggled with OCD, um, off and on throughout my life, but it was mostly prevalent for me in high school. I went through, um, I was, I was going through a period of time where my body was just really reactive. I, I kept having, um, allergic reactions to things and it just felt like anxiety was almost heightening my body feeling like things that I put in it was a danger. And then mm-hmm. I went and got my allergies tested and I happened to go to somebody who like, just truly had the worst bedside manner as a doctor. And in so many words, told me to basically become a bubble child was like, you need to get rid of all of your pets. You need to start doing this. You need to start doing this. And it, the way he said it freaked me out so much. I felt like I couldn't live. I felt like I couldn't touch anything. I felt like I couldn't eat anything. And it just really built onto itself. And then I would go, uh, they had me start doing the immunotherapy where you get the shots of what you're allergic to, to try to make you more immune to it. But that is somebody's worst fear. If, if like, if one of your worst fears is going into anaphylactic shock from a severe allergic reaction, and then somebody is putting what you're allergic to in you and then going, all right, sit in the waiting room for 20 minutes so we can make sure that you don't start to die. Like I would have to go through that twice a week for, I mean, it was like, I think a couple years and I just was a constant ball of anxiety and that made OCD turn into like washing my hands all the time because I was always afraid that I'd just touched something I was allergic to. So it it was really bad then. And then I think over time, it, it just slowly got a little better and a little better. And then I've actually struggled when you're talking about that out of experience 
I'm sorry, out of body experience on stage. I've been feeling that a little bit often on the last year I've gone through, our listeners know I've gone through some really hard ongoing stuff with um, a family member's health. And if I'm getting really, really stressed, I have a tendency to kind of go out of body on stage. And it's not like a full panic attack, but it's this feeling of I'm having a full conversation with myself as I'm saying jokes and I'm freaked out that I'm going to completely like not know where I am in my set and just go completely blank on stage. And it's like you suffer silently because you don't, you can't say anything in the moment really to the crowd because that's going to like derail the show, but it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. And you know, you're really connected when you said that, because I mean, I've, I've had, I've had full on fledged conversations with myself on stage during bits. And, and there, there are times when, you know, like the best sets you have are when you're just in it, man, you're in the bit, you're in the joke, you're in, you're like, wait till they fucking hear them. Wait till they, you know, so many different, like amazing feelings. And then you have good sets where you're mentally kind of, whether you're bored, whether you don't like the joke you're going into. So you're feeling it. A lot of things can trigger that. Um, but you know, a family member's health is also something that struck with, with me because I think a lot of people say where it came from with me was, um, my mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer in 1997. I was going to school. Uh, I was a senior. I was not doing well in school. And I was really, I was, I, I graduated in four years. I graduated on time, but like, I was like, had to really buckle down and get my shit yeah. together to do it. But long story short, my mother, they sent me home from school, fourth period. I show up, my mother's sent to the hospital. Um, they find something in her stomach. They say, oh, it could be a bleeding ulcer. It's a tumor. They take it out. A year later, it comes back. They cut her open again. And it kept coming. Then it started spreading all over. She had a very rare cancer. And oh, sorry. yeah, it was rough, man. And then a test drug, a test drug has literally the Dana-Farber Institute in Boston has kept my mom. My mother, my mother's alive right now. And she was on her way out. Um Stage four? My mother was in stage four and it was spreading all over her body in the late nineties. And then two months before her last relapse, the Dana Farber Institute in Boston um, tested a drug for leukemia, but my mother did not have leukemia. My mother had something called gist, which is a very rare thing in the stomach and, and very rare. Very few people get like, it's a rare, rare cancer. And it started like spots after they take it out, there's spots all over her like liver and stomach. And it was really bad. So they test this drug on a hundred case studies. And out of a hundred, it really started to work on like 26 people. My mother was one of them. Then it started coming back to people, but 10 people were still good. And my mother was one of them. And now here we are 25 years later. And my mother's cancer has shrunken and has been gone for, you know, I I just spent two days with my mother. My mother is very, very frail. And unfortunately, the medicine has taken a toll on her immune system. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. But maybe, and I, I can only guess, but maybe because of so much shit that happened young with the with the divorce. And, and this is not just, you know, I'm not trying to act like I had it so hard, but this was a different type of divorce. This was a brutal, brutal thing that had happened and it was not handled. And I, I hate I'm not trying to talk bad about my, 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 my parents. My parents did the best they could. They were young. Yeah. But like this was not handled, you know, for for a little a little guy who needs some security. It wasn't handled maybe the way and then moving around a lot. But then I think the thought of the thought of being really young, you know, and and losing my mother and then my mother, you know, I also had a, uh, my mother remarried. I have my little brother and little sister who are who are one's nine years younger, one's 10 years younger. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, my, if, if my mom would, my, my sister would have been 11, 12 years old, you know, at the time. So, um, you know, all the time, I remember every like few years I would be fortunate, but I look at it like, um, that definitely did something because, and then I had people around me getting sick. So there was a lot of things that had happened. And I guess I'm only guessing that that just made me you know, expect, you know, the oh, between the anxiety, the OCD and that, that, you know, it was kind of like around. So it was kind of like that's, you know, but what hurt me is I was never a negative. I'm so it, it was funny because when I did the Joe Rogan podcast, we were joking about like the knock on me is, oh, Paul's too positive. Paul is, oh, he's going to get that deal. He's going to get that show. He's going to do this and do that. But that that way of thinking is why I did that. And, and it's why I got that show, because. The alternative, we can all be negative. We all, we're not fucking stupid. We know that there's a good chance that, that, that things don't happen, but I don't choose to think like that. The only time I can, it is when it's harmful to me and it's my OCD, but in the regular world and in real life. And I tell my kids, my, my son and my daughter, you could do anything and all that. Like, that's who I am. So to feel like that sucked. I relate to that so hard. I'm also, I feel very fortunate that I, I think chemically, I'm a very positive person. Like, um, I have gone through some periods of depression in my life, but it has really taken a lot. Like, it takes a lot to get me into a really, really dark place. Yeah. Um, and I, I relate so much to what you're talking about. With the, my parents went through a very um, awful, messy divorce when I was six. And wow. I think when you go through something like that at that age, um, you start to feel like you don't have control over your environment and yeah. there's a ton of uncertainty. Yep. And I think OCD and anxiety are these attempts to get some control back. So yeah. you're, you're trying to just create an environment where you can feel like, okay, um, like when you're talking about the compulsive behavior, even if that isn't necessarily like the way that other people are doing it. You're like, but I feel like if I do this, it's going to give me this particular outcome. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, I, it's so true. It's like, 
you're stripped of that security and you're filled with uncertainty. I would wake up. I think I was like seven years old and I would like wake up crying and they would, they would wake me up and I would be crying. And, and it would, and I said, I was crying because I thought something was going to happen to my mother. Cause I didn't have this, I didn't have the security of like, you know, we were living me my mom and my brother were living in like at the time a one bedroom apartment. My mom slept in like the living room or whatever. Me and Christian had like a, a big bedroom where we had both sides of the room, but like, I didn't know what happened to my mom and shit. So it was, um, it was definitely something that, that hit me young. And I think later, and you know, when I also think happened, I think having my own kids, Um, you know, when, when Lucas was born, I remember there were certain things that I started getting angry about out of nowhere, because I'm like, how could that, that's not right. You know? So I started to, and, and now that I have Lucas and Sophia, I just make sure, I mean, they have, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like so opposite. And it's like hilarious today. My son says, daddy, I want you to take me fishing in Panama. And I was like, what? Like (laughs) Panama? Like, yeah, I saw a YouTube clip where it's like the greatest fishing in the world. Like, can we go? We're going to Italy right in October. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, but we're not like, I can't can't go to Panama. I can't just take you to Pan. Like, who goes to Panama fishing with their like 13-year-old son? So like my son is like so secure that he's just like, they almost, we spoil them, you know? Like, you know, they get in like nice cars and we go to like sushi dinners on Monday and we're kind of like looking at each other like, are we doing the wrong thing? But I had, and maybe I am a little bit, but I had so much shit opposite of that growing up that I'm like, fuck it. Let's just let's just give them what we can give them, you know? Yeah, God. I mean, like of all the options, like giving too much love is I'm sure like the the lesser of all the evils. Right. Yeah. Look, if my kids grow up slightly spoiled and having like the finer things in life. okay, like I'll take that. But they'll know that they were loved and and they know that they, you know, their dad always made sure that they wanted to, you know, wanted to go above and beyond, you know? Yeah. Um, Something I wanted to ask you, too, that might be helpful for our listeners if they have a partner who is struggling with um, with depression or OCD or anxiety. What helped you in terms of something your wife did or how your wife showed up for you? Was there a way that she was that was helpful for you? Um, at first I got mad at her. Cause I'm like, can you, cause my wife is very like plow through problems. You know, my wife is like, my wife is like Scandinavian. Like my, it's funny. My son looks like Stacy, like blonde hair, blue eyes. My wife is like, you know, uh, this Scandinavian, Swedish, Finnish, like, but she's got that, but it's like hard nose, like, you know, I'm Mediterranean. So I like, I'll hug you when I see, you know, they're like kind of fucking. So at first I was like, can you, can you fucking like this? Like I'm going, but not that she wasn't compassionate, but her way is like, no, no, we're going to, I can't go down this road with you because if I go down the road with you. So what she was doing essentially was she was kind of being the rock that I, that I needed at the very beginning, she was kind of like, Oh my God, I hope he's okay, but still strong. But remember I said, I like convinced her something was wrong. Cause I was like, I was in a place that I was like, I know something's wrong. I know something's wrong. Then she was like, all right, I'm not going down this road. We're going to, you're okay. And we're going to like, and we're going to fix it. And it was hard because she had the little ones. So if they're 13, if they're 13 and 10 now, 2016 was what, Oh my God. It's like, you know, seven years. So they were like, they were younger and they were like, mommy, do we want to sleep in bed with? So like I would be in the guest room and it would be my two little ones and Stacy in the bed. Um, and she, it was hard for her. And after she's like, when is he going to, you know, she knows what I deal with. 
um, so supportive throughout my career. You know, uh, I met her, no manager, 12 minutes of material, six, which stunk. No, nothing, you know, like I was doing contests and bringers and shit. So she's, she's always been there, but, but Stacy's got that strong kind of, you know, um, where at times I got mad. Cause I felt like I needed like, Hey, like, can you like come over here and hug me? But then after a while, it's like, we got to get out of this too, which, which right. I also, which I also needed. So she, she, and, and she's, my wife is super, super smart. Like my wife could have went to any college in the country, but she had her, she only, her mom paid for it. So she ended up going to, to Rutgers and she like crushed it there, yeah. but could have went to anywhere. Like yeah. all A's, like she's, she's like gets promoted everywhere. She's just one of those, like, dude, my wife like never was like at a dance club in her life. Like Aww. she's just like, yeah. Like she just yeah. would like in like high school, she would like go home and like read after school. Like, yeah. Like, yeah she, so, so she's like, she's like a, She's like super, super strong and all that stuff. But, it's, you know, for me, I was like in a place where I was like, you know. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. I'll be honest on, on your show. Just there were times where like if Stacy was working or had meetings, my mother, my mother and Stacy were the two because my mother suffers from from this, too. So there is some, I'm sure, genetics with it. Yeah. Um, but my mom like would be like, I remember my mom like handed me a sandwich because she made me a sandwich. And if I was in such a like horrible place that making it felt like such a, a task. Yeah. You know, like getting out of bed and going to get a glass of water. You're like, and so my mom would like give me water and a sandwich. And I was like, you're saving my life. Like I was like, like yeah. the desert, you know, but that's yeah. how I, that's, that's how I felt. But so, so to answer your question, Stacy, you know, did it her way. And, 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 but I think she's, my wife has dealt with really, really horrible, traumatic things in her life. And the way she dealt with it is let's put our head down and go to work. And so she kind of maybe brought a little bit that on to, to me, which I think looking back was was definitely, you know, a good thing, even though at the time we fought sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm sure a little bit of that is love language stuff, too, where it's just like yeah. not knowing how to show up for the person in the way that they want. But sometimes, like you said, it's maybe what you needed um, yeah. when I've 
um, talked on here about the family member of mine who has dementia. Uh, although what you have gone through and um, my family member with dementia are completely different things. I, I still have run into so many situations in the last year and a half where she is so um, worked up about something and so upset about something. And, but it's not based in reality. It's not actually happening. Right. But for me to just go, you don't need to worry about that. You're, you're totally fine. That's not happening to her feels very dismissive because in her mind, right. it's real. And it's like, how horrible of a feeling you feel so abandoned when somebody is like just dismissing you and saying like, you know, that's, you don't need to worry about that. But alternatively, if I were to go, Oh my God, you're right. Like the house is on fire. Right. Then then nobody's in their feet and the world of reason. And it's like, somebody has to stay over there to help pull the other person out. It's just a really hard balance. I mean, I've, I have struggled in the last year and a half to find that. And I I think I'm getting better at it, but it's not easy. That's perfect. It's perfect. What you said, because you, you feel like I felt like not that they were conspiring against me, but I heard the little whispers of like, I've never seen him like that. Like, you know, my younger brother was like, dude, you are seeing you like this is hard because like, I'm the one who's like, you can do, we can do anything. I'm the one even right. like almost delu- not delusionally, but like, I'm like, yeah, we'll get that done. We'll do that. You know, I was seen to be kind of the strong one in the voice of reason and the logic. And then yeah. here I am thinking that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm defying doctor's tests, you know, like these are, these are tests that these, that these professionals went to school for and I'm going, nah, you know, and, and so people that love me were like, and I'm like, does anybody fucking understand? I would, I would really get like, and, and they were, they were, so that balance you're talking about of trying to let the loved one know that you're there for them. But in, in a way you want to like, in a way they probably wanted to look at me and go, are you out of your fucking mind? You know, which I kind of like, they got to like, keep that to themselves. But like, that's, that's kind of what you're thinking is like, is he, is he like, I would imagine that they talk behind my back going, is he fucking nuts? So that that's scary. But but, you know, you you go through it. And like you said, I think you learn how to deal with each individual situation and like what's going on, you know, with you, which I'm, I'm very sorry about. I think that you'll find you obviously have found a way to your cope with your day to day and and for not only for you, but for that person as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard sometimes to take that pause and go, okay, put yourself in their shoes. And if you were suffering in this way, what would be helpful for you that is still like productive? And, um, you know, it's, it's tough to do that sometimes, but I do think it's important. Um, yeah, for sure. How are you feeling now? Like, where are you at now? Do you have advice for our listeners who might also suffer from some of these things that, um, could help? You know, yeah, like like I was saying before, you know, I've I've talked about this on on you know multiple podcasts now, uh, yours included, and and I'm getting letters from everywhere and people thanking me, and you know, the one thing is like people saying, you described it the only way that I've heard that really relates to me, and that means a lot. What advice can can you give? And all I'll tell anybody, as far as your first party question is, I'm doing great. You know, um, it was a lot of stress that has gone on in the last little bit, um, you know, but 
it's everything that I asked for. And I could not have asked or dreamed about it better as far as the special on Netflix, the reaction of the special, um, the reaction of my peers who have watched it and are hitting me up and, and some like some legends. So like that's a relief yeah. after the stress. You know, that's a relief after the stress. And then, um, you know, going on like you know, Joe Rogan, which I didn't even realize how, like I heard how big that guy's reach was. And then you feel it and and to have people reach out and go, thank you. But the advice that I would give to anybody listening is trust the people that love you. Like as hard as it is for you to let go of that control. Okay. And, and look, I, we all have that, you know, I used to be, I used to have a phobia with flying and now I actually love flying, but it's all control. It's all control. So it's like when you can give up that control and let a doctor, let a a spouse, a a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a a relative that really loves you and looks you in the face and says, this is what we're told by doctors and you have to move on from it. You have to believe that. That's number one. Number two, number two is do not be. uh, And and again, this is just for me. Okay. Um, but but it's helped me. Do not be a, a, afraid slash ashamed of taking any medication whatsoever. The medication may numb you out. And if it does, get another one. The medication, there may be sexual side effects. And you know what? Sex is part of our lives. We don't want that type. Then, then get another medication. But there are medications that they'll test a couple. And of course you'll go through it. Like that's the other thing. People feel weird. The doctor says, look, it's going to take about three weeks to get this thing fully flowing in the right thing. So, but understand these people have your best interests at hand. Um, don't go to fucking urgent care. Uh, and, and I would say, yeah. And, and I would say to like, take care of yourself. Like if getting tired triggers it, if drinking booze triggers it, like with me, I could feel like if I have a couple nights of like, you know, having some drinks or like, you know, smoking a cigar with some buddies and I stayed up late and all of a sudden I start to feel that that devil creeping up behind me. I'm like, OK, it's time to get sleep. It's time to to shut it down, drink a lot of water. So know your body, trust the people that you love. And what I'm going to actually start doing again, which I have not done in a while, um, Kelsey is I'm going to start talking to somebody, you know, one hour a week um, and and really just kind of just put my burden and put my worries and put all that, you know, mm-hmm. it, w- with somebody else and do that. Like I'm not. And that's the other thing. People were like, wow, Paul's like open and he doesn't seem like that. Like my, my it's funny. My publicist, Michael O'Brien, was like, yeah, like I talk to people and they're like, wouldn't expect Paul. You know, I'm like. You know, I got a beard, like a, you know, I'm like this, you know, and they're like, you wouldn't expect. And my my publicist goes, yeah, he's a sweetheart. I'm like, all right, let's not get crazy. But um, look <laughs> <laughs> at my reputation, Michael. Yeah, so Sweet, sweetheart's a little no, but um, yeah, like I'm totally cool talking about it because some people think it's weak. I think it's weak. What I think is weak is putting on a fake front all day and then going home and crying in a fucking fetal position at night. That's what's fake. And that's what's weak for me. It's like, no, man, I want to get better. I got kids that need their dad to be functional. I got a career that that's thank God going in the right direction. And I'm achieving all the things that I dreamed about when I saw Eddie Murphy as a kid. And I'm, and, and that was the craziest thing for me. I was 10 years old. My dad took me to see Eddie Murphy raw and I he became everything. And then I'm scrolling through Netflix and me and Eddie Murphy raw is in the same column on Netflix. And I was literally like, 
I was like, like since I was 10. So um, I want to be able to do that still. And I want to be able to now, you know, having legendary comedians go, dude, you're in your prime and you're just going up. I want to be mentally right. I want to be able to continue to do this. And I think being aware of your mental health is, uh, is really, really, you know, but, and it's, it's great to talk to my mom because my mom suffered from anxiety young in her life. And, you know, and, and now I can talk to her and she could be like, she was there when I was in third grade and had one. And she goes, listen, you just got to, you're having a, you're, you're starting to panic. You just got to breathe. And like, so she knows me so well. My wife now knows so much now when I'm going to a certain place, she could see me going down a road mm-hmm. and, and stop it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing better. And I just want to keep it going, you know, like you got to nip it in the bud if it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's so awesome to have you come on the show, talk about this so openly and also talk about that shame aspect, because I think that's something that keeps people from seeking the help they need, or, um, even just talking openly about it with their loved ones is that level of shame that yeah. unfortunately is just a thing with mental health that people don't feel as comfortable talking about something that they're going through emotionally or mentally as they would if they're like, oh yeah, my, I've been having like weird cramps in my calf, you know, like I got to go to a, like people are so much more typically open about a physical um well, I guess not always, but some physical things people might be like, oh yeah, it's just this thing. But if it's a mental health issue, yeah, so much shame. So, um, anyway, I just, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. And I'm sure we'll also get a lot of feedback from our listeners saying that it was refreshing to hear. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's, that's, what's, what's crazy is that like, yeah, people will go like, oh, my leg. And then if it's there, if it's something mentally, but what people don't, and and here's a crazy thing that, that almost correlates both of those is that your body will do things physically. Anxiety has physical symptoms. Yes. And, and, and when I say physical symptoms, if anybody Googles this, this is real shit where you can actually get a physical pain, like a literal, like, like you can worry so much about this part of your arm that that part of your arm will actually burn and hurt. And it's coming from play. So what was happening with me was when I felt weak, I was getting weak. Right. Like I was, I was literally like, I felt like I couldn't lit all these weird things because of anxiety. So people think, oh no, it's physical, something's wrong. And it's like, really understand the power of anxiety. Don't underestimate the power of anxiety because I'm sure you've been there where you've like felt physically and they were like, no, it's you need, it's your meant, it's your brain. Yeah. It, the power of the brain is, it, it continues to shock me all the time. I think I know like what my brain is capable of um, in that specific way you're talking about of making me feel a certain way. And then something else will happen. I'm like, Jesus, did I really bring that on myself just from feeling extremely stressed or extremely run down? You know, our jobs that we do touring every week, it like you have to take even better care of yourself, I think, than the average person because- we put our bodies through so much and our minds through so much, but, um, yeah, well, this was amazing to talk to you and please plug your special and plug where everybody can find you. Yes. So uh, when's this coming out, by the way, it's coming out on September 5th. So, and, uh, we, okay. we record, um, a lot of episodes ahead of time. So, okay, sure. Um, I just did that. Cause like, I, I want to like plug a show tomorrow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, my special is called Nocturnal Admissions, um, and it is on Netflix right now uh, and was doing so fantastic. It was trending globally and people are still seeing it. So check it out. Um, I kind of talk about everything. I feel like one of the nicest things about the special was people said, when you watch the special from beginning to end, you know who Paul Verzi is. And that's all I wanted because it really is. It is. It is that. So um, you can check that out. It's it's um, streaming right now on Netflix. Um, I'm going to a bunch of different places. I'm going to be going to London in October. I'm going to be going to um, Michigan. I don't know if I'm going to be quite at Michigan after this podcast, but you can go to Paul Verzi. Um, I'm going to uh, paulverzi.com. I'm going to uh, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, a ton of dates. I host the Verzi Effect podcast. I co-host the Anything Better podcast um, right here. Sorry. With uh, Bill Burr, um, which is a great which is a great. We talk a lot of shit about everything and sports and all that. And you could check out my YouTube channel and the Anything Better YouTube channel as well. But thank you for having me. I really uh, appreciate and enjoy you always. Oh, you too. This is so nice to talk about all of this and just a massive congratulations again on the Netflix special. I- yeah, because I was running into you at the clubs going like, yeah, like we were like during so yeah. many things that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was in like, you know, texting about like, oh, I might because I, I, I think at the time that we were talking um I think it was earlier this year that you were like, it, it might get picked up somewhere, but we're not sure yet. I, I can't remember, but it was like to when finally I, hear that it was Netflix. I was like, oh, that's so fucking awesome. When uh, when these people aren't listening right now, I'll tell you something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, all right, everybody, please go check out Paul and uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 